A believer should desire to please God, not because he must please him like a slave, but because he is a son and he wants to please his father. That's some of the wisdom that Dr. J. Vernon McGee shares as we continue our discussion about liberty versus the law on Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you to another great adventure in God's Word. So as you open to Galatians 5, Greg and I have got a great update on what's happening with God's Word in India. Yeah, Steve, India, even though you and I have been there a couple times, yep. Uh, it, it's a, it's just a very vast and complex and kind of a mysterious uh, country. All the different cultures, there's over 1600 different languages spoken. Yeah, yeah. 1600. Yeah. Don't miss that. I mean, 1600. Yeah. Yes. And they have, it's different than the United States, but they have, I think it's about 28 unique states and that each of them have their own kind of governmental structure they have their own culture so it is a it is a tremendous uh place to try to bring the word of god and of course by god's grace we're we're bringing through the bible and dr mcgee's teaching in over 150 languages yeah and we're rolling out the app in all sorts of different yeah. languages there we've got so much that we would talk about when we focus on our yes. digital in yeah. india but we're also on two major networks there yeah and we get a really good response and the interesting thing is um, the response for us usually I probably skews more female overall, yeah. I would think. And yet here in Coke Baroque in India, three quarters of the people are male. They're yeah. from rural areas and they're between the ages 30 of 31 and 45. So it's really kind of an interesting skew on the on the demographics. Yes. There. It, it shows that God is doing something uh, very uh, unusual in this place. And also it, it'd be good for our listening family to know uh, there, there are only about a million Coke Baroque speakers. Speakers, and that's the ministry that we're talking about. And, yeah. and you say, but there's, you know, 1.4 billion people. Right. Why don't India. you just do English and Hindi, yeah, Greg, exactly. and then be done with it? Why do you do these well, little Steve, languages? I'm glad you asked that question. I have a friend. His name is Steve something, something or other. Yeah. And he loves to talk about how when you talk to somebody about spiritual matters, they want to talk about the language of their heart or their mother tongue. And so that's why we go to the trouble and the expense and the administrative challenges that go along with getting Dr. McGee's teaching into the smaller languages but hey how would you like to try to minister to a million people yeah you know i mean yeah. that's a pretty good sized congregation exactly and we're getting such good fruit as yes. evidenced by the testimonies that we've got let's get to them. yes first one is james who writes to us although i'm a christian i did not have much knowledge about the word of god i did not truly understand the love and grace of our lord jesus christ that was the reason that I was having no peace, hope, or joy in my life. I was living a worldly life, and I had no relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't have a good Bible teacher in our local church and even in our area. Although there are some pastors and evangelists looking after the churches here, they did not feed us thoroughly with biblical teaching. But by God's grace, I came to know about this program on TV. Since then, I never miss it. I listen to every message carefully and keep a record of whatever I have learned. The peace, joy, and hope is restored in my life. Wow. So, so exciting, Steve. I mean, and, and what was occurring to me as I heard you read that is we hear these letters from all over the world. This is you know, God is doing yeah. something through the ministry, through the Bible. Yeah. The thing I like about this also is hearing this program on TV. On TV, yeah. And that's a, another new ministry yes. that we're doing yep. that's unique, different from the Arabic TV and everything that we're right. doing in the Middle East. This is another way that we're reaching people and they're responding. Absolutely. Now, I think we have time to hear. I wish I would have <laughs> made you pronounce this. 
Lapian Gruala. Okay. Okay. Forgive me if I've massacred that name. This listener writes, this, or viewer, because they view the TV program. This program helps me to learn God's word every day. As I have a mobile phone and I watch the programs on my phone. Yes. I am growing more day by day in the knowledge of the word of God. I will continue to watch the programs in the days to come too. The word of God, which I learned from this program has changed my life. Hmm. I am very happy to watch this program and learn many things from the Bible. I watch it regularly. And again, this person's doing it on their smartphone. Yep. Just the, the more you hear about people around the world, the more you realize we are, we are all the, all same. the same. You look at the way yep. social media and how all the platforms have gone, not just to, to pictures. It's all about video. Yep. It's all about engagement in that way. And people are doing yep. the same thing there. Greg, pray for us as we begin our program. Father, our hearts are full of joy as we see what you're doing in a, in a, a group of one million Coke Baroque speakers and how, how your word is just changing people the way it does all over this planet. And we thank you for that. We ask you to continue to do it through our humble efforts in Jesus name. Amen. Now here's our study in Galatians five on through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now again, today I want to make a recapitulation and tied in with what we have gone over before. And Paul began this section now that we're in, and we're no longer in justification by faith. We're now in the practical section, not doctrinal, but it's sanctification by the Spirit. And he tells us that we're to stand fast in a liberty wherewith we have been made free, wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled, again in the yoke of bondage. Now, what is it that Christ has set us free from? Well, there's several things Paul has already mentioned in this epistle. Back in chapter 1, verse 4, he says, "...who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father." And that's not according to law, but according to the will of God. He wants to deliver us from this present evil world. Now, he has set us free, therefore, that from this present evil world we don't have to serve. And then we are set free from what we are by nature. And over in the second chapter, verse 20, he said, I'm crucified with Christ. That is, that took place 1,900 years ago. Nevertheless, I live. How do I live? Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. Now, you can see he says, I live, yet not I. You and I can't live the Christian life, but Christ can live it in us. And what a wonderful liberty we've been brought to today. And he's delivered us not only from what we are by nature, but he's delivered us from the curse of the law. And over in chapter 3, 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So that we've been delivered from any judgment of the law, the condemnation of it. And we've been delivered from the law itself. For in chapter 4, verse 4, he says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, all of these things we've been delivered from. 
And we've been delivered from a system that Israel had over a thousand years. And Peter, yonder in the council of Jerusalem in Acts 15, describing it, he says, "...which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear." We weren't able to do that. Now, Christ has delivered us from our offenses, and we've been raised in him. And we've been saved that in the ages to come, Paul says in Ephesians, that he might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. Now, throughout eternity, we are to be a demonstration to God's created universe of the grace of God. And he will have done it all, or it's not grace, you see. Imagine, out under in eternity, here's the church, and it has on it, all of these are a demonstration of the grace of God, except Vernon McGee, and he went to Sunday school and didn't miss 12, 15 Sundays. And that helps him in his salvation, or he paid his honest debts and something like that. What nonsense, friend. You're going to be there for the demonstration of his grace and nothing that you and I ever did will enter into it. And that is the offense of the cross that he's talked about here, that the offense of the cross would be ceased. You see, actually here, the cross of Christ is an offense to all that man prides himself in. It's offensive to his morality because it tells him his works cannot justify him. It's offense to his philosophy, because its appeal is to faith and not to reason. It's an offense to the culture, because its truths are revealed to babes. It's an offense to his sense of caste, because God chooses the poor and humble. It's an offense to his will, because it calls for an unconditional surrender. It's an offense to his pride because it shows the exceeding sinfulness of the human heart. And it's an offense to himself because it tells me I must be born again. You know, that was, oh, that was almost insulting to that Pharisee Nicodemus that night to tell him as religious as he was, he must be born again. And that's the reason that a lot of ministers who are preaching the new birth today get in trouble with sometimes some members of the congregation. They don't want to be born again. They feel like they're good enough. It's an insult to you. The cross is an offense, but I don't think we ought to magnify that at all. Now, he says here that we've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. And as we said last time, This is what the gospel of grace does for the believer. What is it? Well, you can't do what you want to do. (laughs) It is grace, not law, that frees us from doing wrong and allows us to do right. Grace does not set us free to sin, but it sets us free from sin. You see that today the believer should desire to please God not because he must please him like a slave, but because he's a son and he wills to please his father. He does what God wants, not because he fears to do otherwise like an enemy, but because he wants to do it for God's his friend. God is the one who loves him. And he serves God not because of any pressure from without like the law, 
but because of a great principle within even the life of Christ that's within us and that we love him. And he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I've often wondered, suppose one of the apostles said, we don't love you. I think he'd have said, forget the commandments then. The whole basis is a love relationship to him. The law, therefore, never could bring us to that place. It was negative to begin with. It was a negative goodness. And that's the kind of goodness a great many people have today. And, oh, if I could only get this through to a great many of the saints today. Your negative goodness, friends, is a legal goodness. You can say, I don't do this, I don't do that. But for the name of heaven, what do you do? I know a lot of the saints. I've been pastor. They could get up and say, well, I don't go to a dance, and I don't go to the movies. And they could also say, I don't go to church on Sunday night, and I don't go to church in the midweek service. I know that because it didn't come. My friend, may I say to you that the law only gave a negative goodness, and it never rises to the sphere of positive goodness where one does things to please God for the very love of pleasing him. He wants us to serve him on that kind of basis. Now, that brings us to our subject today, and this is verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, this is Galatians 5, 16. We left off with this verse last time. And the word walk is peripateo. It means just walk up and down. The principle is walking in the Spirit. The word lust here has an evil connotation. It doesn't really have that in the Greek. Paul says there are a lot of desires of the flesh that are not evil in and of themselves, but they can take the place of that which is spiritual. Now, I know a great many Christians that get wrapped up in a hobby, and the hobby takes them away from the Word of God. And I know some Christians that spend a lot of time worshiping before that little idiot box that we call TV. Now, don't misunderstand. I look at TV, and I'm not under any law that you can't see TV. I think the news is very good, very biased, too, and you only get the liberal viewpoint in most places. And my feeling is that that is good. Some of the travelogues are quite fine. And every now and then a good old Western, you know. But may I say to you, you must understand that's a desire of the flesh. And if that's taking you away from spiritual things, then it's wrong. Now, will you listen to him? We're coming to verse 17. For the flesh, and I'm going to change this word lusteth here because it's a very strong word. For the flesh warreth against the spirit, and the spirit warreth against the flesh. And these are contrary, and the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. That is, the things that the old nature wanted to do. And this is very, friends, very important to see. In fact, I would say it's all important to see at this particular point here. Now, we have here, the flesh warreth against the spirit, and the spirit warreth against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now, a believer has a new nature 
That's what our Lord meant when he said to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And the believer has that old nature of the flesh, and you don't get rid of it. The idea today, you can get rid of that old nature, tragic mistake. And I think that probably the greatest deception of the folk who think they've got rid of the old nature is that they haven't got rid of the old nature. And to be in that condition is a bad way. John says in his epistle, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That means if your truth's not in you, then there's no vacuum there. It must be a liar. And therefore, that puts that perfect individual in a pretty bad situation. The Word of God says he's a liar. And that is not very nice, but I didn't say it. Now, will you notice what we have here? For this is a tremendous statement. You and I have two natures. That's what Paul is describing in the last part of Romans. It was his experience, too. And I'm confident it's been the experience of many believers. The flesh warreth against the spirit, and the spirit warreth against the flesh. So that You cannot do the things that you would. This new nature, it rebels against the old nature. These are contrary. They're warring one against the other. Have you experienced that in your own life? Well, there is a song that we sing. It's, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Wonderful hymn. Well, it has in the last stanza, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Now, someone came along after this song was written, and they said, that's not my condition. I want to change that. And it's been changed. You'll find it, I understand, in some hymn books. Prone to worship, Lord, I feel it prone to love the God I serve. Now, which is true? I'd like to ask you right now, which is true? Is it prone to wander, Lord, I feel it? Prone to leave the God I love? Or is it prone to worship, Lord, I feel it? Prone to love the God I serve? Well, both are true. (laughs) Both are true. I've got a nature that's prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And that old nature, I tell you, there are times it wants to wander. You know anything about that? Then I've got a new nature, too, and it's prone to worship. Lord, I feel it. There are times when I'm just sometimes riding along in the car. I just cry out to him. If I'm alone, I just cry out, Oh, Lord, how wonderful you are, and I love you and I worship you. That's my new nature when that takes place. That old nature never gets around to that. And prone to love the God I serve. There are times when I can get far from him, and that's the old nature. Now, this is the condition of believers. Now, this idea today that I hear people say, well, I can't tell whether I'm walking in the Spirit or not. Yes, you can. Don't kid yourself about this, friend. Paul has spelled it out here so you can never miss it. He says, but if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. 
That is, the Holy Spirit of God brings you to a higher plane. Why? Because here's what the flesh does now. The old nature does these things, and the law was given to curb the old nature. Will you notice this? Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And, oh, it's a bad list here. I'll give it to you as I have worked it out. There are those that are known as sensual sins. The first one, adulterous, probably not in the better manuscripts, but you get to it down here in another word or two. Fornication means prostitution, uncleanness. And that is sexual, of course. These are sensual sins, pornography, all of that, lasciviousness. That means brutal, sadistic. And there's a great deal of that abounding today, sensual sins. This is what the flesh does. Then there are religious sins. Oh, the flesh is religious. Idolatry, that's worship idols. And there are a great many folk can worship other things than just an idol. It can be... Well, let me come back. That little old idiot box has sure become an idol for a lot of folk today. A lot of people worship money. These are things. And witchcraft, the Greek word is pharmakeia. And pharmakeia, we get our word pharmacy from that. Well, we call them drugstores back where I came from. Drugstores. The word is drugs. And that's used in religion. It was used in all the heathen religions. And these are religious sins. And there are great many using them today. Then there are social sins. Hatred, that's enmity. Variance, that's strife. And the word is actually Eris, the goddess of strife. Emulations means rivalry, jealousy. And wrath is thumoi. That's heat, wrath, oh, hot temper. And strife means factions and little cliques. Do you have little cliques in your church today or in your Christian circles? May I say that's probably hurting the church today to organize church as much as anything. Then seditions, that means divisions again. This group divides up and becomes two groups. Why? Because they can't get along. Heresies means parties and sects. That's the different groups. Envyings, and we understand that. And I think murders is probably not in the best manuscripts because I think of the fact that it's included in all of this. Hatred leads to murder. And the Lord Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. And you see the words here get all of us. Drunkenness, these are personal sins. And revelings, these are personal sins. And you can see how this is divided. Now, this ugly brood is what the flesh does. And he doesn't mention all of them. And he says, such like. And that means that there are a lot of others that he could have mentioned, but didn't. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do, and the word is practice, it's continuous action, that live in these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And I can give the illustration our Lord gave. The prodigal son got down in the pig pen, but he didn't stay in the pig pen. The only ones that stay in pig pens are pigs. If a son gets down there, he's going to be very unhappy. And if you can live in sin, you're in a dangerous position, my friend. It just simply means you're probably not a child of God because no child of God can be satisfied in sin at all. And he'll have to come out of it 
Oh, I have letter here after letter. I've shared several of them with you just the other day, this lady. And I think she's a real born-again person. Almost got caught as a widow meeting a married man. And they found out that they had a love for each other. I don't question that. But I told her to jump out of that situation like jumping out of a burning building. That sort of thing can drag you down to hell, my friend, to live in a thing like that. And there's too much of that today. And my friend, believers can't get by with it. If you get by with it, you're not his children. He only paddles his own children. All right, we're going to leave off there. Not moving very fast here. But this is important, friends. Oh, how important this section is. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Learn more about living a life that pleases God. You can do that by visiting the resources section of ttb.org and downloading your free copy of Dr. McGee's booklet, Living the Christian Life God's Way. It's really a good resource. Or you can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find it. How do Christians know when they're walking in the Spirit? Well, find out next time as we make our way through the New Testament book of Galatians. I'm Steve Sweats, and I'll meet you here. God bless you as you walk with Him today in His Word. Our journey on the Bible bus today is supported by the prayers and gifts of fellow passengers as we travel through the Bible.